Hello, good evening, and welcome to this hot off the press edition of The Game is About Glory, where we will attempt to take a measured view of our 1-0 defeat to Brighton, the Amex Stadium, which concluded some 20 minutes ago. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and before we get into it, we'd like to remind you to please make sure you subscribe to The Game is About Glory via your favourite pod platforms, and if you like it, please leave a review. It really helps us spread the word. Make sure you tell your friends, family, neighbours, enemies and everyone about us. And thanks very much for all the positive feedback so far. By the way, if you haven't yet subscribed, it is never too late to do the right thing. So please make sure you do precisely that as soon as you finish listening to this week's pod. Now let's meet tonight's team. And uh, I will be asking each of them what position they play when they step onto the pitch themselves to play this beautiful game. Ricky, how are you? Hi guys, I am. Hmm, that's about it. <laughs> and what position? And, and, and what position on the pitch um, do you? Well, play? I played football for forty years, so I've mainly played as a right midfielder. But when we, um, when I've got up to the vets, you know, when it's kind of winding down your life, I played a forward for them, and I was very successful at it. I must say, they were very Excellent. impressed. But anyway, more. I've got to ask you, Clive Allen or Mark Falco or Te- Teddy Sheringham or Harry Kane. Probably Kane has taken over all them, I think. Just as the kind of all-round player, you can't knock him. Love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, I thought, no, talking about yourself as a, as a, as a player. Oh, me? <laughs> what kind of player? I would say, I don't know. I was reasonably quick, but I was a bit kind of Sheringham-like. So maybe there's a bit of a mix there with, Lovely. I don't know. Lovely. And from Teddy, we go to Luton. Luton, how are you? If that's the right question to ask tonight. Yeah, we'll talk about it, but I think we're in crisis mode. Um and in terms of my footy position, still to this day, twice a week when we're allowed to, I play up front, um, left-footed, quickish striker. I used to be very quick when I was younger. So, yeah, yeah, um, play a lot, but mostly six side now in the cage. Um, and, yeah, I love the game and I'm a traditional goal hanger. I play the line. And <laughs> so, you, when you, so, when, so when you kiss the badge after a three-yard tap-in, you're Jermaine Defoe, is that what we're saying? I do somersaults and all sorts, even when it comes off, off my backside. No, I'm that kind of striker. Oh, so you might be Vincent Yenton if you're successful. Precisely, that's me. Excellent. And of course, that leaves us. Uh, that leaves us, Milo. I will Hi, spare Steph. you the "How are you, mate?" Just get tell us where you played on the pitch. Oh, uh, we, yeah, we were talking about this during the week. I, I'm a utility sub. I, my last season of Sunday League football, I played every every position on the pitch over the course of a season, Fantastic. equally bad in all of them. Excellent. So uh, Jose would Jose would have loved you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm full of effort, just no skill. Well, in that case, Jose like needs you. Yeah, Jose needs you. Um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll uh, come off the back of that by saying I like to play off the wings uh, and cut inside as a wide forward, and uh, can also switch to central defence. Uh, do a lot of lot of talking, a lot of shouting at people, telling them what they should be doing, which I'm sure you find surprising, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, lack a little bit of pace I think it's fair to say so anyway but not up front I can sprint but enough of me enough of uh, all of us as players let's talk about the players uh, that I think we might have seen today uh, you know let me let me throw a curveball you know we're striving here to be uh, a somewhat more uh, you know level-headed analytical pod uh, so let's let's start with any positives we could find in the 94 plus minutes of today's 1-0 defeat to Brighton at the Amex Stadium. Um, Milo, why don't you start us off? I'll, I'll throw you the hot <laughs> potato. <laughs> Did you see that sharp outtake of breath from me then as I was racking my brains? Um, I've, I've thought of one though. I, th- I thought Vinicius did all right in the second half. Oh, the only sorry, good thing not... there was in the bloody game, you've taken it. <laughs> but yeah, go on. that's 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 the joys of being picked first. <laughs> okay, uh, I mean, you oh. know, look, look, we can carry on. Luton, carry on. I mean, talk a little bit more about that. I, Vinicius was good. I mean, I thought he held up the ball a couple um, well. He he took a good shot. That maybe the height was the issue, and the keeper got across to it. He did link up play, and he ran at the game and. The fact we were we were slightly better in the second half, and we had some shots mm. on target. Um, a lot of it was down to him just trying and working in the pitch. So I think that was the only positive. Other than that, uh, Andabelo did a couple of beautiful things when he had the opportunity, mm. and 
Yeah, um, the only other positive is my initial belief that Jose um, was going to do this to our team is starting to come true. And there's, um, I don't know if it's voyeurism or what, but there's a small part of me which is like, yeah, I was fucking right. <laughs> the guy's toxic. Because uh, there's a part of me which is, yeah, hang I'm going to stop. On. That time was a out, positive. Time out. Ricky, negative. Ricky, let's keep the yeah. let's keep the good vibes flowing. <laughs> yeah, but it's just good. Uh, I quite like, he, he, he always wants to get involved. And he's quite good at coming to get the ball and then quickly sprinting onto the box so he, he's very mobile in that sense and I thought Toby was all right in a kind of at least looked like he was an experienced defender and kind of know where to put his body and that kind of thing quite often yeah. and other positives um Loris didn't hurt his arm this time round no maybe <laughs> yeah I mean I thought a positive actually for me was that nobody can look at Davo and say that he was responsible for 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 anything much today I thought considering he was you know once again thrust into a position that is maybe not his most comfortable well, I suppose he is a centre back, so he should be comfortable there. But I wouldn't tab him as being necessarily responsible uh, for anything. Uh, mm. I thought, um, much like yourselves, I thought Vinicius showed, you know, that why he's the backup striker to Kane, and I mean that as a positive. And I have to also call out uh, Hoiberg for another, you know, manful performance. And 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 really, you know, for me, he is the skipper of this club right now. He's the one player that actually stops us from falling apart mm. in these in these moments of confusion, which seems to hit okay well we've uh i think we've fulfilled our obligation to uh you know look for positivity there let's now um you know let's relax and let our hair down a little bit and let's be honest and uh you know i can think of no better person to start with uh an overall game analysis than with you luton i think you're i think you're ready to go and i, I want to hear what you've got to say we all do I think as soon as the game started, initially I was positive. I thought we're going to do this. We're going to come back. I think I even said in the last pod that I felt we were going to be okay and um, turn up at Brighton. But um, when I saw the team selection and um, there was talk about uh, Sissoko's right wing back, and I think um, Milo rightfully said he he can't play right wing back. He's not good at doing anything a right wing back is supposed to do other than run fast. So I was concerned and Davis out there who isn't creative to be bombing forward was an issue for me. So initially we set up poorly, but they were all over us from the start. They played well. Um, they had us in the midfield. We had the back three. They were very, very clunked up and tight together because Davis and Sissoko both wanted to stay back. It's almost like they were, instruction was play forward, but their natural game inhibited that. And they were good and we were bad. They took their chances. They hit the post early on. Second half, things were changed, made some substitutions. We went away from back three to the back four. I'm going to let Milo talk about that because he mentioned it in the chat earlier. But uh, but the fact he changed formation says a lot. And then, yeah, and there was chances, um, a few chances, but they had chances too. I mean, there's a, a brilliant save and a block that would be talked about for years as a, mm-hmm. one of the great blocks by Toby. And But by about 60 minutes, I was completely resigned. I was sat there and I thought, we're probably going to lose this 2-0, but we're not going to come back into this. Um, it just didn't look right. The attitude of the players as well was interesting. Um, again, mm-hmm. somebody asked a question about, was Toby surrounded and hugged after his, his block? There wasn't a lot of camaraderie there, which is slightly concerning. And I think initial conversations and questions about the dressing room spirit at the moment mm-hmm. Not going to be as extreme as saying lost, but the spirit in the dressing room need to be need to be talked about because um, something's not quite right at our club. Milo, come on in. So I, was just, yeah. I was just going to follow up on that Sissoko comment. So me saying that he's not good at right wing back. It's worse than that. He was our major creative outlet. You know, I mean, our idea was for him to get <clears throat> get get down the the wing and put in crosses. It's unfair well, on the player. It, it is because that's not what he got, does. No, no, that's right. And with the front line of Bale, who didn't look particularly interested after the first fifteen minutes, Son, who's not a big man, and Nors Bergwin, um, against defence, you know, a well-drilled defence with Lewis Dunk in the centre of it. I mean, they're going to hoover that up all day. A newly a newly promoted side playing like that, you could kind of understand it. But this is one of the most expensive managers in the world. Yeah, Ricky, what do you, what do you what? I mean, carry on. Um, plenty to say, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I mean, if we start with this kind of formation and the players that we selected, I think even with the players that were out there, I think we said in the chat thing that we didn't really, we're not really that keen on Sanchez playing right back. We kind of know that. But we did say in the chat, or I said, I think Gareth said in their chat as well, that Toby could play right back because he's played there with Belgium and we play a flat back four. And immediately that means... Davis is not a wing back. It means mm. Sissoko is not a wing back. Sissoko can go back in midfield, and then Dem- Belly can stay in midfield or do the four-two-three-one mm. thing where he plays further up. And that means mm. loads more people in normal natural position mm-hmm. rather than what we were left with, and that kind of thing. And also, um, 
we were then matching up then with the system again. And the commentator said before the game, he goes, it, the, it looks like both teams are playing the same system. And yeah. so a big case of who plays better. And I was kind of like, well, obviously they'll play better because they play this system and I've got a coach that coached them in that system. When we yeah. just, one, we don't really play the system that often. And two, certainly not with the yeah. players that we've selected. So, it, it, you know, how it might work out is pretty predictable from that point of view. The other things I noticed was, I actually noticed this, that in the first quarter of the game Bale got the ball sometimes Bergman got the ball sometimes Hoiberg had a lot of the ball and and Dembele had none of the ball yeah. and he's like a baller when it comes to passing and that kind of thing and I actually I actually noticed that it was one thing I think we all realise he's like one of the best players controlling it breaking through passing it through the lines and that kind of thing and we never pass in the ball I mean Hoiberg shows the ball all the time and sometimes I'm thinking can't just end embellish I'm not saying it's end embellish fault it's probably mm-hmm. Hoiberg's been told to do that but it's kind of we've got a massively creative player there and we're just mismanaging yeah. it or not using him and that kind of thing I mean- I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there that we haven't you touched on yourself, Luton. There, and it's the biggest problem I have right now. And I think it starts. I think everything that happened today started at half time against Chelsea. Um, so we don't know what happened in that dressing room. We we don't we don't know the facts, and we should be very clear on that. Everything that I'm about to say is somewhat based on innuendo and a certain degree of ignorance. And I I, I confess to that. But what I will say is that I think that your club and the atmosphere of your club is very important. And it doesn't take a clairvoyant, let alone anyone with eyesight, to see that there is, you know, there is a lot of foul, of, of foul air around mm. the club at this moment. And to me, your manager is in charge of that airflow. And if we're to believe what happened at halftime against Chelsea, and, and bear with me because I think this is very important, you know, take away the players involved. I won't get, we won't get into that right now. You have to approach that situation with a very positive, positive face. And everything mm-hmm. he showed me was negative, from changing the shape to some something uh, that didn't make sense to anyone, to the rumours that he left the dressing room for half-time. And, you know, I've had friends say, well, this is what managers do at half-time. They, you know, they let the players sort it out. Well, sometimes you have to recognise watershed moments in, in your mm-hmm. club season. And half-time against Liverpool was a watershed moment because up until that moment, we were in that game and doing very well. And I think that that foul atmosphere has carried on into today. And I confess to having lied on the last podcast. I told you I thought we would win. I didn't believe it as I was saying it. I said it because I am a fan and I want to believe, but I did not believe. And today's game didn't hurt me as much as it should have because it was written on the wall. It shouldn't be that way. And I, there's, I believe there's one person responsible and the team did not look happy to me. You know, my son no. was asking me, well, how can you tell with the, about body language? You can't see it from, from here, from 6,000 miles. I said, nobody is passing accurately. Nobody looks locked in. Nobody looks focused. They just mm. look listless. And Gareth Bale personified that. I thought he was absolutely terrible. Yeah, I mean, what summed it up for me at 42 minutes, 1-0 behind to Brighton, one of the bottom teams in the league positions, horrendous home form, right? They've not won there forever. And um, Bale's got the ball. We've been up the pitch for a while. There's no, we're not on the counter. He's got the ball in um, by the corner of the box. Um, we want to cross it in, not a single person in the box. It was 42 minutes. And what either, again, there's something toxic going on with the team or they just drilled in a way where none of them would need to be in the box. I mean, Brighton on the counter late in the game had more players in our box than we did at that point. So I think this is a mini crisis. Let's not call it a crisis, but it's, it's, there's, Something which, um, and I think in the past where we've reacted to Jose, it's been one thing. I think there'll be fairly unanimous um, or consensus amongst Spurs fans at the moment that um, we're in a little bit of trouble. We're not looking good. Um, and it's bothering me. And I'm trying to pinpoint what it could be other than Jose. Uh, but at the moment, I can't find anything to give me that. So, yeah, it's a bit shit. Do we give him any mitigation for the fact that uh, uh, I think... Reguilon is a massive miss. Lachalso has not been fit for weeks, so that's not a creative option for him. Obviously, he's got no Harry Kane today. Are these mitigating circumstances or not? Milo, what do you think? We were saying just before we came on air, it felt to me a lot like our cup performance is this season. So the, the team selection wasn't that different. You know, you put heart in goal and it's pretty much what we've been putting out in a lot of the cups. The performance was very similar. The only difference was that we couldn't bring on Kane and Son with 20 minutes to go to win the, to win the tie for us. You know, we've seen these performances a fair, a fair few times. Brighton scored in the 17th minute and we had, what, two, three chances after that? Not much. 
I think the other thing that struck me is that this is the second game in the trot where he's had to change, you know, make substitutions at halftime and change formations. And that's an admission that he got it wrong. And for a manager who's meant to prepare, you know, really thoroughly and be reactive and build a team around what the opponents are going to do, he's getting it wrong. Let me go to, to, to Ricky. And, uh, and you were talking, you know, before we, we started recording, you talked about Jose and maybe his ego being, uh, shall we say, omnipotent. Would that be the appropriate phrase? Yeah, I think so. I think he definitely rules or runs the team in a kind of my way or the highway kind of that kind of thing. So and any player that crosses him has a hard, is quite hard. It's quite a long road back for them. I know this all sounds quite negative, but I just don't see there's not enough response from the team even on an individual basis, they just look like they're, they've been sort of, it's quite hard to explain, really. I just don't think they look like, they, I, it doesn't look like there's any upward curve coming, basically. It looks like we're yeah. in a sort of, in a, in a trench, in a groove that we're not going to get out of. And yeah. Jose, even though he's got that massive kind of, he's got that massive CV and that kind of thing, I just think that most successful teams now, I think definitely develop a culture of play and a system of play. And he still likes players, especially in the attacking third, to play off the cuff and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's meant to obviously develop very good defences. And people say, oh, yeah, well, he must have, he's done that here. We can't be that bad defensively. But that's because sometimes with defending with seven, eight people, you put a kind of, you build a brick wall up. People do find it harder to get through. But of course, that's detrimental to our attacking play. But I just, I don't know. And I just think maybe most coaches that are successful, the Rogers, the Klops, the Peps and that, aren't, aren't developing a culture like... Um, Jose is and the other bad side effect of Jose's culture it does seem to be entrenched in fear and do it my way or you're out kind of thing and Milo, I don't really yeah. see, it's not progressive you know we, we touched on Laurier earlier on so how many players has he fallen out with now so obviously Delhi, Danny Rose possibly Aurier and we've seen before with Mourinho where you get splits in the dressing room with players who he's ostracised or have fallen out with. You know, that was a big problem that he had at Real Madrid. You know, obviously we saw the reactions from some of the players publicly after he was sacked at, uh, at Manchester United. And I, I wonder whether we're seeing the same thing again. And, and how many of those players can you piss off, ostracise before it starts having a wider impact on the squad? I, I think maybe one or two, you know, particularly with a you know, big a big personality like Mourinho, maybe that maybe some of the players take it, but it's got to get to a point where it's going to affect all of them and it's going to become a bit poisonous. Yeah, Luke, and I'll come to you in a second. I just want to jump in off the back of that and say that, you know, I, I think we can include Ndombele as being a potential uh, Jose victim. I think, Luton, you've been trying to, to get in there for a while, so please yeah, take... I just want to give you guys um, a summary of what Jose said in his post-match interview. So um, I was looking away, I wanted to look it up, so... He said, I go home with positive feelings towards my boys because of the last 30 minutes. And he said, every team in the Premier League has its ups and downs. And they summarise saying, Marino said the performance was not very good, but he's happy with his team's efforts in the second half. I mean, what fucking game was this guy watching? Well, of course, I can't, you know, I want to say in his defence, it's nice to see him not throw any of them under the bus. But where I have a big, oh, my biggest problem, my biggest, <laughs> my biggest problem with him is this. He never takes responsibility when it goes wrong. He does not do it. Now, I listened to Klopp talking uh, earlier today. Obviously, Liverpool beat West Ham 3-1, you know, and Klopp was talking about the last month. And he said, look, I've got things wrong. And one thing Klopp will do is when he and I noticed this when Liverpool were getting having a hard time, he 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 was not afraid to say what he was getting wrong, and he made it a collective we, not them. And this is my biggest problem with Jose, and it's where I think that the bad atmosphere comes in. It's always the other guy's fault. That's how it seems to me. Now, maybe and, I don't and- see that. Maybe I don't see all the other good stuff that he says. Maybe that's down to my filter, but I don't think so. I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to be because if I'm proven wrong, then Tottenham Hotspur Football Club prospers, right? Yeah, so, and that's a very important point for uh, you know anyone who's listening. I think you know none of us wants to be making this about Jose Mourinho, but Jose Mourinho has a habit of making it about him and yeah, not in the way that it should be about him, in my opinion. And I'd add, we've never had any desire to be shop merchants in our style of podding. We're here; we prefer coming on when things are upbeat and when we've done well yeah. and we've had a victory. Um, 
these are difficult and um, yeah, and that's not the way we are. And I would also say Klopp is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful manager. <laughs> I mean, there's so much about him. It, the only thing I dislike about him is the fact he manages Liverpool. I mean, everything else about him is great. <laughs> and, and he's so good. And yeah, Mourinho's never, I've never known Mourinho to admit he made a mistake. It's just not in the man's nature. Um, so hands down question for everyone. Do you think that there is a squad here that is going to lock down on Monday morning, if you'll pardon that inappropriate and unfortunate phrase, look at each other and say, you know what? We're going to fight, not just for this, for this shirt and for this club and for our own professional pride. We're going to fight for this manager. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you believe it will happen? Well, Who wants I, to take I, that one on? I mean, I don't think it... I don't think then it doesn't look like they're even doing that now, to be honest. And I know you said, is there mitigating circumstances with like the injuries and people are out, but we've, we've had bad performances when those players are mm. fit. It's not like we've been pulling up any trees and that really. So um, it, it's just the pattern of play, basically. We've just got no pattern of play. And as you said, Steph, if Hoiberg wasn't there, then God knows what might happen. And it's, I, I, I don't know. I, the thing is, there's probably the hierarchy within the training ground, which basically puts Josie very much at the very top of that and all the players are beneath him. Well, I would never probably get that feeling like when Potter was there or Klopp's club mm. or Rogers club. It's very much like a kind of, I know it's a cliche, but the kind of family thing. And Jose's not, you know, he's you know, he's a bit of a Logan Roy, isn't he? Let's face it. That's what he probably that's, is. That's yeah, excellently that's put. Logan Roy. That's something we discussed before, isn't it? About uh, Mourinho connecting with Gen Z players. He, he struggled to do that. And you don't see that so much with, as you're saying, some of the managers come after him uh, who've got a more uh, kind of open and um, consensual style, maybe, of management rather than uh, kind of Mourinho's yeah. kind of self-centered style. It's just more of a two-way conversation, I think, with a yeah, player yeah. and a manager. They just yeah. want to know. They probably even like. They even want to know what's going on at home with the player, if anything's bothering them, all those kind of things. Well, just don't right. really I, get that I, with Jose. I mean, buying even a Christmas ham on... or Christmas yeah. pork or whatever you bought for your fullback doesn't qualify you a, as a humanitarian a to me. It was a suckling hey, pig, wasn't it? Sorry, it was yeah, a I, suckling pig. I think even when we watched Jose doing the personal conversations with players in the documentary, it came across contrived to me. Yeah. I don't know if contrived is the right word. So, yeah, um, I don't think it's natural to him. It's not the style he manages. He's definitely got a God complex in his relationship with the players. I mean, and to be honest with you, it's been incredibly successful for him once upon a time. I Mm. think there's a possibility that the way football is has changed and he hasn't managed to evolve. And this was the accusation levelled at him after he left United. And it really, really Mm. bothered him, right? He talked about it openly. I just have to say, and, you know, I I have to bring a musical metaphor into this. Um, You know, for those of us, uh, you know, who are fans of Lou Reed, there was a moment in Lou Reed's career where he made an album called Metal Machine. And you listen to Metal Machine, not, you you know, you listen to it and you sort of endured it. You endured it. (laughs) Right. And you endured it for the greater love of the artist. And I feel that right now, my greater love of Tottenham Hotspur means that I'm enduring what Jose Mourinho is doing to us. And, yeah. you know, right now, today's game felt like the metal machine of our season. I sat there and I'm like, why am I watching the second half? I know what's going to happen. I know, what, I know where we're not going to get. I'm hoping for some, like, you know, half-witted, hopeful, like, stab and punt or, like, you know, something to fall our way. But it just was dry. It was just yeah. it was so tough. So Same tough. And 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 you know Lou Reed went on to, to to make some more great music, and Tottenham Hotspur will go on to to have some some play some wonderful right. football. But right, right now, Metal Machine. I'm so, so I've got a copy of Metal Machine music, Steph, and it, uh, it's a, a, an original mint mint copy. And when I sell it, or if I ever sell it, it's going to remain a mint original copy because I've listened to it once and I'm not going to put it through again. But I think actually it was a contractual obligation album, and maybe that's what we had today: a contractual obligation performance. Well, you've hit a brilliant point. And this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is why you need to subscribe to this podcast because we will bring you places that no other pod does. Do you think there is a contractual obligation that means we will stick with Jose Mourinho for beyond this season? If things don't, that's saying that things don't happen. Is he too big to sack or too expensive to sack? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. I don't think he's worth more than a Champions League spot. And I don't think he's worth more than us losing Kane and others um, because they decide to actually move on for the betterment of their own careers. The question, so I, I don't think that if uh, Levy does, has a first-class degree from 
Cambridge in economics. And when he's looking at it, if we carry on with this trajectory and Mourinho can't turn it around, he has to make the decision. It's absolutely no matter what it costs. What's it going to cost? What, 10, 15, 20 million? In, in the scale of things, it's nothing. I think it's a decision. The question I would like to follow on once you answer this one is, at what point will you think it's time for the club to make a really, really brave decision on him? What, how far do we need to go? Are we in that crisis at the moment? And do you think Levy's thinking about it right now? I don't think he's um, thinking about it right now because we're in uh, th- at least three cups. Sorry, Ricky, I, I cut you off. But... No, I agree. I think this season we're in too much for him to sign a, to kind of cut Jose at this point. But, I mean, top four would be everything this year. If we don't get it, then we have to look at the knock-on effects of that. If we don't get top four, then Vinicius is going mm. back to Benfica, barely be gone. And we have to be serious. We're only in the Europa League this year. Uh, we do have to think what will be running through Sonny and Kane's head if we're not in the Champions League next year, because they're at an age where if I don't try somewhere else now, then they're all questions that will need to be answered. And we'd yeah. be quite decimated by that. In other words, the downturn, because it seems like our whole season's based on Son and Kane at the moment. So you could quite, oh, we could quite easily say they're vital. <laughs> so imagine Son at PSG. Oh my I was going to say, I wish Son had signed that new contract a month ago. Yeah. And Milo, bring this to a close because uh, we do have other topics to, to get on to. So, so conclude today's, um, well, performance, question mark? It was a shambles, wasn't it? As you said, it continued on from halftime at Chelsea. The team in the first half looked confused, didn't know what they were doing. They couldn't string two passes together. It was a bit better in the second half when they're playing a formation they're more familiar with and they had someone to play off. And I, I should hold my hand up here because when we were talking on Thursday night, I was saying that Bale should lead, lead the line. He didn't really lead the line today. He, yeah, they wrote the front three rotated in the first half, but he was poor and I was wrong. And Vinicius was, there was improvement when Vinicius came on. I think what Mourinho's got to do here is, and again, this is going back to something I was saying on Thursday night about chopping and changing formations. I think he's got to stop being reactive. I think he's got to pick his best 11 players. He's got to pick the best formation to get the best out of them, train them in that and get them playing. Because at the moment, they don't seem to know what they're doing from one game to the next. And that's part of the problem I think we've got. Ricky, why don't you finish up that segment? Sorry, yeah, sorry to butt in again. But I was going to say at the start, I mean, last year, we all remember the game at the Amex last year. And I remember going and before the game, I'd talk to my mates and we'd think, yeah, we could still turn it around. And of course, that was like when we lost 3-0. And I walked out of the Amex that day like hollow because I thought, no, the coffin's well and truly been closed here. That is the end of Poch. I've never seen anything like that. There's no way back. And it was just depressing. And... I cared so much because I wanted it to work. But if I was there tonight coming out of there, I would honestly say is not that I, not that I don't care that I don't want it to work. I'd actually say I don't want it to work because I want it to end, basically. That's how I'd be feeling. And that's it might be the honest truth. It's, you know, I'm beyond, not beyond caring because I'm not sure how much I cared in the first place. That's the thing. And from that, uh, the high point of uh, the coffin lid and caring, where else is there to go with Tottenham Hotspur right now? But talk of being part of a 20-club competition starting in the 2022-23 season called the European Super League, of which we look, uh, we look really, really set and ready for that, don't we? Let's be honest. Um, let's just run through briefly, just in case anyone has missed this. Uh, there has been talk that the COVID era has reignited uh, the potential of a breakaway 20-club European Super League, obviously made up of the perceived 20 biggest clubs in Europe. That's based on a financial structure. Uh, 15 founding clubs, apparently, that will share an initial £3.1 billion pounds, UK pounds infrastructure grant. So uh, obviously, you know, there's a footballing decision going on here and it's not really much to do with money. As a note there, I was waiting for someone to laugh, but I, I suppose there's no <laughs> laughter today, is there? Oh, there is no laughter. But let's but let's but let's say what do we think of this? What do we think of this as a concept? Who wants to start with the concept of a European Super League and, and breaking away from all structures we know? I can only comment on it from a Spurs perspective, and my feeling is that Spurs are in a position where they can't not be interested. I think they're happy with the model that we're in. But they can't afford not to be interested because, say, it did happen and Spurs weren't part of it, that would be damaging and we'd lose out. So Spurs are in a position, and from what I've read, it seems like Spurs haven't commented, haven't shown massive interest, but they haven't said they're not interested either, which means they're sitting on the fence. And unfortunately, in the scope of things, it's it's the right place to be. 
because yeah, the opportunity is huge. Um, you mean the fence yeah. is the right place to be right now, depending on which way the wind blows and who falls over. And that's what to- that that would be the right strategy for Tottenham in my mind. And I assume that's where our esteemed cha- chairman is currently perched. But yeah, in terms of how I feel about it, I mean. Uh, it destroy grassroots potentially because um, a trickle down effect on local things. And that's something which is important to me um, personally and uh, just for the love of football. Um, so no, fuck it. Don't want it. Who's next? Um, Who wants to Ricky? I mean, I think um, when it, when it was announced or it was floated in the press, I think the UEFA and then obviously FIFA reacted and poo pooed the idea anyway. And I think they were saying that, um, very rarely do they do as kind of joint press release or comment as uh, so it shows how seriously they've taken it that they had to actually say something about it and I think they leverage that slightly by saying any players that play in that won't be able to play in any FIFA competitions mm. so that would be national teams and probably that FIFA World Club Cup thing or whatever it is um, or whatever it will be this time <laughs> next year I agree with um, Luton I mean financially we, we can't really sit outside of that tent really we'd have to kind of be in it so but that's slightly soul destroying from my point of view i don't really particularly yeah. like i've never liked like rich kind of owners or anything like that so um from my point of view it doesn't kind of align and the other thing i think would be the i think they underestimate how boring it might be just playing the same teams all the time regardless of how kind of glitzy the ties are so that's what i think really Milo? Yeah. um i'm kind of scarred by the sugar years. So when the Premier League kicked off, we didn't really take advantage of that. He was trying to run the club like, oh, sorry, I've got, I've got Steph shaking his head here. I, <laughs> so, In agreement. I no, no. I've some bad memories. Oh my I, God. I, oh my God. Amstrad. So, you said sugar. But, I thought Amstrad. Uh, it's, be- it's better than Maxwell. You know, no, no. Come on. Yeah, he's better, yeah. Than, better, than, <laughs> side, better than the original sideshow Bob. Yeah, I agree. So, <laughs> So I'm kind of scarred by the sugar years when, you know, he's trying to Premier League kicks off the sky deal signed. There's money flooding in. He's trying to run the club like Wimbledon. He votes in favor of um, that in order to sell satellite dishes rather than push the club on. (laughs) And then, and, and, and then the result of that is that when the Champions League's set up and the qualification is expanded, we missed the boat. And we basically paid 15, you know, 15 years to catch up with that. And it's been a really, really hard slog to get ourselves back into it. So I'm, I'm in a very similar position to Luton on this. I hate the idea, but I hate the idea of us missing it more. Yeah, and I can't disagree with that. Yeah. You, I, I, and I think ultimately, all the, you know, this is going to happen sooner or later. These games will be happening on a Saturday and Sunday rather than a Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, because they're going to be bigger and they're going to want to get the big TV rights. And they're going to, you know, they're going to be Saturday, Sunday evening games in order to get uh, worldwide television exposure, because that's where the money is. And that means that realistically, we'll be putting out second strength sides in, you know, if we're playing domestic football at all, we'll be putting out second strength sides in that. And (laughs) I'd rather we were playing... You know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, PSG, Juventus, rather than the clubs that will be left behind in the Premier League if those six clubs all clear off. Luton, you should you should come in because I'm, I'm going to suck the air out for two or three minutes with my but, thoughts on this. So this is actually a gift for you, Steph. And every pod we have to have an important cricket analogy. And um, <laughs> I think Milo will be able to tell you who Kerry Packer was. Um, it was just I know, before, mate. Yeah. mate. I didn't live in a hole. I know oh, who that's Kerry okay. Packer is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're all right, mate. I, 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 I remember Kerry Packer. Didn't he? Didn't he do that? Didn't he do that one-hour cricket or one-day the day yeah, test he, or whatever? The, exactly, exactly. Cricket so in an hour, which was ex- so, so, no, it was an acceptable. That I could accept cricket on that level. So, um, <laughs> so Steph surprised me. He does have cricket knowledge, and now we're going to talk about it more often. But oh um, Kerry Packer, and his, <laughs> yeah, you've you've done it now. But his breakaway league and when. I would like to ask, obviously, I know as a fellow cricket fan, um, at least one here, what do do we think that it might happen? And eventually, just because of the power of those yeah. involved, a major reform and, will happen. And, and Real Madrid and Barcelona are broke at the moment. Yeah, because they I think need this big, so desperately. I think there's a big kind of over three billion share out, isn't it, at launch yeah. or something? That's what I was saying. Three point one billion yeah. pounds, apparently. I think, and, and I mean, look, yeah. I think for me, one of the one of the important things would be, you know. For me to feel good about accepting this, and I think maybe for most normal people who love football and love the system and the pyramid, I, if the Super League agreed 
per domestic league to fund grassroots football on a wide scale. And I mean providing top facilities for the grassroots and making coaching more available for all. If they would put the money in on that infrastructure, I would feel a lot better about it. And now I see the hand of Milo waving. And if it could reach out through the screen and slap me and say, you naive fool, you may know who Kerry Packer is, but you've not been alive long enough to understand how the world works. The the reason these clubs want this is because they they, they resent sharing money with the other clubs in the Champions League. They're not going to be doing this to share cl- uh, money with grassroots football. I mean, this that is the sound. That's big... the sound of Milo slapping me for being so <laughs> naive. This is about the thick 15 richest clubs in the world hoovering up all the money for themselves and what fucking is... everyone else. Yeah. Milo, I have a massive. Uh, I have a... Sorry, go on. Milo, what is um? What are they saying is happening to the domestic calendar? What gets kind of chopped out of that? Are we still? It's... I don't. Well, at the moment. They're talking about keeping this midweek. So I think at the moment it's effectively a bit like the breakaway with the Premier League from from the Football League and set up and those clubs are breaking away to set up their own competition. But we know over time it will change and they've discussed already about holding their games at the weekend. And I, don't think those, I don't think those clubs are too bothered about their domestic competitions. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw the clubs split in two and they had a, a domestic side and a, and a European side and effectively there were two different clubs playing in two different competitions. Will the will the Europe, will the uh, Champions League and Europa League still continue? Is this kind of no. replacing that? UEFA or FIFA would make a, a, a weak league, um, a weak Europa type thing. For the others, but, yeah. um, Ricky, Ricky, this is a this is a giant financial juggernaut coming to flatten everyone. <laughs> in its term i mean you know despite my naivety i can see that why you know fifa and uefa are all up in arms about it because that's their cash cow going isn't it they get you know they're you know and that's where i suppose the moral argument uh becomes a little bit of a moot point because those uh, organizations haven't exactly shown the highest moral standards recently including their complete abuse of financial fair play or allowing that to be abused i think and and for all the talk of excluding players from international i mean uefa doesn't really matter but the world cup at the end of the day if the world cup's coming around they're going to want ronaldo they're going to want messi they're going to want you know they're going to want these players there so they're not going to exclude them it's it's all just talk it's posturing but i think from a spurs point of view if we're outside of this you know if we if we if we had morals and I, you know if we're outside of this then we can kiss goodbye to having an uh, an undumbele or a son or a cane yeah, we can kiss goodbye to those players because those players are going to want to be in those clubs. It's going to be the Champions League on steroids. And you know, if we want good players at the club, if we want to see good football, you know, it, it's not being in this will be the equivalent of being in the champ- championship rather than the Premier League. And I'd just say if, some, if Swiss Ramble were to do some analysis for somebody, if you looked at the revenue and the fan base, those 15 big clubs would probably account for maybe 90, 95% of all football revenue. Yeah. in terms of the brands that come with them and the images and the players. So I think not being part of it would be catastrophic for Spurs. It, it'd be very pure and very beautiful, but we'd be fucked. Yeah, I'm going to throw the curve more back. I mean, you know, let's be completely honest. Uh, you know, we have not accumulated massive amounts of silverware uh, since the since the Premier League started. I think that would be a giant understatement, sadly. Very, very much of our entertainment and joy at the club uh, has been, you know, when we've played great football, um, it hasn't necessarily, you know, meant that we've won trophies. But I think our greatest joys uh, in the Premiership era, anyway, have come with great football. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. ever really look back at the uh, 1999 League Cup final victory as a high point for our club. Whereas we look at the the five seasons prior to Jose's appointment as 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 wonderful. Um, I, I, I there is, I think, an argument for saying that maybe it would be really fun to not be on the, the, the wagon wheel of glitz and glamour and superstardom and, you know, Gucci handbags coming in the dressing room before the game and, you know, the Fendi sunglasses and all that nonsense. Uh, maybe it would be fun to see young players, you know, really giving it for the shirt and really, you know, being there. I, I mean, I think the thing that makes that unrealistic for us is we've built a stadium that is the best stadium in the world. So I don't yeah. think, I mean, I don't think it's a choice, but I, there is the romantic in me says, I would not, I wouldn't mind so much, I don't think, at the end of it, if there was joy in what we were doing, you know? I, I watch a fair bit of non-league football, Steph. I enjoy it. 
it's good fun. But I don't love the, the, the clubs I go to watch at non-league. I don't love in the same way I love Spurs. Right. And yeah, I just... No, we're addicted. Think, we're addicted. But, but, but also, if it's a 20-club league with 15 fixed in, our chances of breaking into that are virtually nil if we're outside from the beginning. How does that five clubs? One thing I haven't read up on guys is know. how that extra five clubs goes. I mean, is there what? Is there a promotion? Well, that's, probably shared bet- that's probably shared between the non. You know, it's, it's probably shared between the clubs that aren't. Sorry, the leagues that aren't. Uh, you know, Italy, Spain, Germany, England, France. How hard is it to say lesser nations? I was thinking that, and I was like, "You can't." I, I, I was struggling for my words. Then, no, I didn't mean that. I just yeah, yeah, the smaller leagues. No, the smaller I mean, leagues. I, yeah, they are smaller in, leagues. In fairness, in, in, as a figure of speech, I think we know what you're saying, and we know that your intent would certainly not be uh, that they are lesser nations. They're, they're probably far superior nations to, to us in many ways. Exactly. So uh, we get you. We get you, Ricky. Well, I did. I did have a think about a think about this from a slightly different angle, and basically, it revolves around at the moment we obviously assume that the bigger clubs want uh, to keep a bigger share of the money, and they're just looking to inflate the cash pile, basically. So then they've got more money to themselves. But what do we know about that money? What what happens re- realistically? Transfer fees go up, and it all just goes to agents and players and stuff like that. And they've had a lot of money before, and loads of those clubs have run into uh, financial difficulties, as uh, Milo said with Barca and Real Madrid and things. So it makes me wonder whether the, the kind of runners of the game might be better off looking at maybe salary caps and transfer caps and things like that. But I know they would never go for that. Well, I don't know if the clubs would but, go for that, but the money just literally just trickles away down but, to those players but, and that kind of thing. No about, one actually becomes that richer, do they? But it's about guaranteed income, isn't it? If they're locked into mm. that competition forever, then they know they've got that money coming in. Whereas if yeah, they... But, yeah, so I see what you're saying. Yeah, so, yeah. I, and all, but also, I think the format of it. So, what they're talking about is the twenty clubs getting split into two leagues of ten. Everyone in those leagues of ten play each other, and then you get a playoff after that. With I think it's the top four from each league playing off oh. against each other, with the best placed club playing the worst positioned club, and what have you. Sorry, across the other two leagues. So it's very, very similar to what you see in American sport. Yeah. So question for you guys from me where would we sit in that 15 to 20 teams would we sit near the bottom somewhere and would we be going out to watch us get well, pasted in i think it's i think that given the magnificent performance that we've just managed to <laughs> deftly dance around with the skill of rudolf nureyev and uh, the whole of that ballet troupe i think it's fair to say that we would be floating around the bottom right now and getting I, yeah. the bottom spanked. So, I mean, so it wouldn't I, be that much fun, I, would it? So that's what I like about you, Lucian. You always manage to find a bright spot. So rather than getting our asses handed to us by Brighton, it'll be by Munich. And you know, <laughs> we all know that's better. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's We've got previous with that incident. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I think I think it was weeks, subsequent weeks, wasn't it? Or next games last time round. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will, I will just add to Milo, though, he's talking about American sports, and they do operate salary caps and free agency, and obviously the draft system, which is meant to even things up all the time. So I just can't... I just think the, that it's just thing, money that ends up in, you know... No, yeah, I agree with you. And the thing with the draft system, and, and let me say this, it's very important to note that, you know, the draft system, obviously, you know, the colleges in the US are, are, are extremely wealthy. I mean, they've got a lot of money in those colleges. You know, if we were to operate a quote-unquote draft system here, where are those players coming from? Are they coming from our feeder teams? Uh, are they coming from our our B teams? Where are they coming from? I, I just, there is, for me, a massive issue in watching you know, the tradition of the game I, and the way it's set up, just destroyed yeah, I mean, by yet I, another piggish commercial steamroller I, that, as you quite rightly I, say, Ricky, lines the pockets of a few and not very many. I, but I think it's un- it's unlikely you're going to see many young players in your first team if you're in that competition. The, the, the risks would just be too high, wouldn't they? If you're still in domestic competitions, maybe that's where you see those players getting a chance. But uh, yeah, I have it's... a I have a dream actually. Maybe what will happen is maybe what will happen is this Super League will start up and whatever, and all this will carry on, and maybe the spirit of Tottenham Hotspur will be captured in a breakaway Tottenham Hotspur uh, that will be like you know uh, St Pauli, uh, you know the uh, the the skull. The the skull club of uh, of uh, of German football, 
you know that the, the club you know st paul in german football, I, I, you know, love, just, yeah, yeah, I love them yeah I love them. They, yeah basically just, basically hippies um love football. hippie punks punk very, hippies very, yeah. very left wing and lots of fun and um yeah i'd love to I, see him i have a dream but in conclusion it looks like we are just to paraphrase and you can say yay or nay we're concluding that yes begrudgingly we would accept it because otherwise we would be absolutely completely steamrolled uh for, you know in the terms of world football but morally, we really would rather the whole thing didn't happen at all and we could carry on with our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Yay. So, you know, after today's 1-0 defeat to Brighton at the Amex Stadium, we go to Chelsea. Or Chelsea come to us. Does it make a difference? This Thursday, do we fear a Tuchel tonking? Or is this another opportunity to take advantage of a flailing powerhouse? I should note that I wrote that uh, before today's <laughs> 1-0 defeat to Brighton. Guys, help me out. Give us a preview. Who wants to wrestle this ball by the horns? That, my Nobody friends, is the sound of optimistic silence. <laughs> okay, let, <laughs> let, let, let me, let, I mean, let's be serious. What is, Jose, what is Jose going to do? What is Jose going to do? Do you think that he is going to see in the second half against Brighton and think, well, you know, I, I really should stick to shape and play the centre forward as a centre forward? Or do you think we're going to see another Mourinho concoction that maybe isn't very appetising? Oh, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea playing three at the back. I saw on their formation today, I think. So I think Callum, Callum Hudson-Odoi is actually playing as a wing back, I think, isn't he? Good question. I've not watched Chelsea in the first two games for two shots. I saw bits of them today, but my son made me turn it off to watch Paw Patrol. So um, I'm better placed to tell you what's going on in Adventure Bay than I am at Stamford Bridge. Oh, OK. Uh, but I... I, th- <laughs> I th- <laughs> Um, that's good. It's, yeah, I was trying to do research for this, and my son scuppered it. Uh, you know what? The youth often have a way of guiding us to our best I, senses. I, say, I wish, it, I wish, it, I wish he'd done that at quarter past seven. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, I think Mourinho. So I said this before the Liverpool game and got it wrong, but I, I think he'll set up to try and. Um, Actually, no, I didn't get it wrong. I got the formation wrong. He'll set up to try and nullify them and then hope to hit them on the break. My concern is that he'll push Kane to come back too quickly and he'll break him. I'd um, I'd worry massively about him rushing Kane back. I think in terms of how we play, Chelsea played Rudiger Silva and Azpilicueta in central defence today with wingbacks of um, Hudson-Odoi and um, Alonso, um, the two sitters and three forwards, Mason Mount, Tammy and Timo. So they've changed formation under Tuchel already. Um, I assume you, Jose, in all his sophistication, is going to do a back three against a back three because, mm-hmm. you know, they're the same number and that's how he does his maths. But, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I assume we're going to play back three. I think Dale will be back in the side. I think Alderweire will have a decent game. Maybe he'll play Davis at left centre-back, um, even though I don't think he's particularly good there. He does well for that in that position when Wales play teams like Andorra and people think he's natural there. Um, he isn't. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about the game um, on Thursday. I think they're on a hype with a brand new manager. Um, you know, he started Giroud the other day. He started Tammy today. He's doing stuff. He's working out the team. Um, they'll come at us. And um, we looked a little broken today. If Jose can't repair things with Doria, um, that right side looks really, really worrying. Um, Lucelso not getting fit again, lacking creativity. Deli Ali not being there as an option. So I think Vinicius would start. I think he earned that today. A start in the team looks more up. Please know he was awful today. He kept running into things. It's like watching FIFA. And yeah, um, that's where my head Got is it. in this game. I think we're going to lose um, and it worries me, but I'd, I'd be happy with the draw because I think we just need, yeah. Got it. Uh, Ricky, uh, have any thoughts? Well, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I can't really say what I think Chelsea's going to do, but at the same time, I can't really say what we're going to do. So um, mm. there's no real, you know, it's anyone's guess at the moment and the formations that get fired out before the game are a bit head scratchy and no matter which ones they are they've not really worked that well I mean we had a I mean our last game with Chelsea uh, we were in the kind of defensive mode trying to score on the counter and is Kante not playing for them at the moment or is he injured is that starting no I don't think he's injured I he doesn't start because he's a great player but you know um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what other thoughts I've got, really. I don't know. I suppose Davis might... Sure. Did you want to think today, just about today's game, didn't Davis just... Um, I'm not sure what went on at half-time in the Liverpool game, but didn't Davis sort of just do exactly the same thing that Aurier did when he kind of lost the man when they passed the ball inside him mm. and then the bloke crossed it and he scored? And I thought that's just what Aurier did when Martin, when they got their first goal the other night. And, I mean, Davis didn't 
you know, go home at half time, does he? So I don't know if he if he got let off, but um, I don't know. Anyway, no, no, let's I, not go I, back I to that. I was just double checking. So, so Chelsea played three four two one on Wednesday as well against Wolves. So yeah, they've they, they, they've been playing three at the back in both mm. of his games so far. Giroud up against our back three. They're going to put balls in shit out of us. Timo Werner massively out of form, so obviously we're the perfect club for him to find form and probably smash a brace in. I mean, I'm going to try and not be pessimistic, but that's the fan in me. I mean, logic tells me that this is going to be a very, very hard watch. And, you know, it's going to be at best an obdurate and backs against the wall, you know, stodgy performance. Um, I don't know how much more of that I could take, but I'd take so, it right now because we haven't even seen it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I hope that we play full backs who are playing a position they're used to. A back three, a back three who know where each other are. Um, central midfield picks itself at the moment, doesn't it? And then someone up top who can hold the ball up and bring others into play. I hope. That's, I mean, I think I think we said on the last pod. I think Awesome said on the last pod. I'm quite happy to, with three at the back to try Toby Dyer and Rodon. I think. Really. Yeah, I am as well. Especially if Drew's playing and that kind that's of thing. Our, so That's our best option in defence. So. If we're playing the three at the back. But who fills the wing-back roles? I'm then not quite sure. Because I think he for said, me, I think Reggie might be out for three, four weeks, he said. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. for me, it's absolutely key that we repair the situation with Sir Jorier right now. It's too late in the window for him to go anywhere if he's fallen out with the manager. I personally have sympathy with the player right now because I think it's the manager's job to make the most out of the players he has. Yeah. And I think it's absolutely key that he repair that relationship as soon as possible and that he uses whatever tools he has in the dressing room to get that player back on side. And if there are grudges between them, I don't know. I don't know. Look, whatever. I, again, let, as I said at the top, let, of the hour, I don't know what happened, but we, he must try and get him back in that side for Thursday. I think let, it's very Steph, important. Let's, let's hope that it's already been dealt with and today was punishment yes. for walking out the stadium and that it's water under the bridge and that we've yes. moved on. That would be the best we could hope for right now. And I think on that, I think on that optimistic note, we'll bring. Uh, why don't we bring proceedings to a close? Um, so, chaps, uh, thanks very much as always. Uh, say goodbye to uh, to everyone. Cheers, goodbye, everyone. Cheers, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. As you have probably picked up, we will be back on Thursday night, your Friday, uh, for a speedy breakdown of the aforementioned clash against Chelsea. Uh, remember to please, please, please subscribe to The Game is About Glory and tell everyone you know about us. And also in this multimedia, social media world, uh, while you're at it, let us know what you think of the podcast on Twitter. There's a lot of room for you to get in on Twitter now that Donald Trump is no longer there, at Glory Glory Forum. So be sure to get your tweets out for us lads. I, I know, bargain basement stuff. Sorry about that. Can't help myself. Last but not least, we can also be found on Instagram as, I'm going to read this uh, as well as I can, the underscore game underscore is underscore about underscore glory. Help us grow on all media platforms. This is for you as well as it is for us. So thanks very much. We will be seeing you on Friday.